there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Good, good to see you all. Um, I have just a couple other announcements that didn't make the, the video here just to, to go over some, maybe more some particular personal announcements. But first of all, I wanted to remind everybody about the sale of our building. Uh, we haven't talked about it in, in several weeks. You're probably all still uh, aware, but maybe wondering like what's happened, what's changed, uh, where, where are we at and where we're going. Um, but uh, we are still set to close on our sale on April 20th. Um, and so that's, that's coming up 12 days away from the sale. Had a little bit of an interesting scare this week. Not a scare, just sort of a, a scramble to see if we could close early, uh, which we got all ready for, and then it, that kind of didn't happen. So we're still going at the 20th. Um, so that's, that's what we're looking towards. And as you may remember, we are going to be renting back in this facility. We'll be here for sure through the end of July, and that's that's been arranged. And so we're going to be here through the end of July for sure. And we have an option that we could exercise to stay um, until actually through the end of October. So we'll see how all that goes. We're still feeling all that out and figuring out uh, what we're going to do and where we're going to do it. So um, that's something to be uh, stay, stay tuned for that part. But um, that's going forward. You may have noticed that we got all of the the construction tape and caution stuff out of out of the area out here by our, our, our building. So we, we've got the sidewalk poured, which looks great. Uh, got that done the day after Easter. Actually, it was kind of a surprise to get a call from the contractor on Easter Sunday, but he wanted to come out. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful day on Monday, so he, he wanted to be down here to do that. So that got done, and it looks great. So that's we're moving forward. Things are happening. It's going, it's going real well. So awesome. That's some stuff going on. There's there's lots of questions you might have. Um, I'd give you the answers, but I don't always have them. So as soon as I get them, I'll tell you, and then we can we can all be on the same page together. So um, one other announcement that I wanted to go over with you guys is that um, I wanted to let you know about the fact that I am going to Nicaragua. <laughs> thought that would be fun to talk about. Um, I, it's going to be July 20th through the 28th. So um, it's a one-week trip down to Managua, which is the capital of Nicaragua. And I'm really excited about that. I've really, I really felt from the Lord early on in this year that, um, gosh, what was it? What did I feel? Get out, <laughs> get out of the country. I really felt like God wanted me to get uh, out of the country into an environment where, where I can experience some things that, um, are, that are different than what's happening here. And, and we can see some amazing things happen. I'm, I've connected with uh, a, a guy by the name of Earl Thurner, um, who's a, a, pastor, but I wouldn't call him a pastor. Um, he is, uh, he, he's from Hawaii, but he goes to Nicaragua, uh, five times or so a year and other places as well. But, um, he is, uh, I think he's 65, 68, something like that. And he is as fiery a man of God as anyone I have ever met. Uh, he is just filled with a passion and a hunger to go after God and to do, do some amazing things. And a lot of evangelism, he, uh, he's really, really going after Nicaragua. That's a, that's a part of his heart. So I'm going to be going with him, um, on, on a part of, there's, there's going to be about, I think there's about 60 of us that are going together. Um, and then we're broken down into smaller teams and I'm on his team. So he's not sponsoring the trip. It's through an organization called missions.me. Um, 
and that's uh, so that's going to be fun. But uh, we're going to be. Um, he he told me. Um, he said, you're a pastor, so when you come, you're going to be a pastor, which means I'm going to send you to churches all throughout the area, and you're going to show up and do what you do. And I was like thinking, like, well, what is that? <laughs> How do you go to a place you've never been before and tell, you know, just do what you do? So I'll get to preach. I mean, I get to sing. I prophesy. I mean, I can do whatever it is that I want. And I heard a testimony from a guy who went um, just two years ago on the very same trip that I'm going on and he he's another pastor in the region never been on a trip like this um, uh, he got there and they told him the same thing he had, actually hadn't been briefed ahead of time that he was going to be sent out to a church but he, he saw on the schedule like hey you're going to this church on that day and, and he's like but no one else is coming with me and he's like what are we doing and so he goes there and he does what he does he preached and he prophesied and did some things and they saw they, that team in particular was the the last team to get back to their hotel because God broke out and people got uh, he got he saw blind eyes open he saw all kinds of amazing miracles happen on that trip so um, I I just personally I want to get out there and experience some things so why why I'm telling you is so number one you can be praying for me and being aware of that um, but I also um, I know that uh, kind of our value is that if you can't go then we we want to give you the opportunity to send. So if you want to contribute to my trip, um, it does cost a little bit of money. It's actually very reasonable for for a trip like this. For my entire entire uh, airfare, hotel expenses, meals, everything included, start to finish, it's going to cost me only $2,800. Uh, but if you'd like to contribute to that, to send me to Nicaragua, um, then you can do that. There's lots of ways you can hand me money. Uh, you can... <laughs> Uh, you can you can go to our online online giving site and you can use the the fund that's there called uh, missions, um, or you can do that also via text. If you text give uh, same number eight four three two one and and use use the the word mission, and that'll go directly to my trip if you want to give towards that. And I'd really I'd be honored for that as well as I I know that when we do that when we send others, uh, we also get blessed. We get the blessing. Of that. So I didn't want to withhold that opportunity from you. So I um, also wanted to let you know that next week, right here, Earl Thurner is going to be here, I think. <laughs> He's a little bit of an elusive guy, quite frankly. He called me, um, or yeah, he called me on Thursday and, and said, can I, can I come to your church on this week? I'd love to come. And, and I was like... I don't know. <laughs> That's like kind of quick, kind of short notice. And um, but then he changed his plans, and he's not here till next week. So, but I've been wanting to have him in and have you meet him. Uh, he'll stir us things up here and, and release some amazing things. But uh, so he'll, I think, be here next week. <laughs> Amen. All right. So we've been doing a few things differently here today. Um, so I um, hope you're enjoying that or finding a little bit of, of fun there. Hope you've figured out what to do so you're not like lost. Like, what are we doing next? Hopefully we're, we're doing a, a good enough job telling you how it's going. But um, doing some changes just so we can really try to, to, to be the best us that we can. So uh, anyway, by the way, uh, 
before I get into my message, I'm really honored today to have my brother and his wife and their daughter Zoe here. Uh, Ray uh, is, um, he's my younger brother, not really. He's actually not, <laughs> he's, he's older than me, but he, he can't tell at all. Um, <laughs> And um, I just had the opportunity this weekend to spend some time with them, and they're here joining us for for church, which is just really, truly an honor. I I was remembering times, honestly, where Angie and I, I'm not even sure we were married yet, uh, but we, maybe we were newlyweds, I don't remember, but we were sitting at your table, and you guys were uh, ministering to us. It was a house, like, right on that one, uh, I don't, I can't even tell you where it's at, but it's not, uh, it's it's not a house that you've been in for a really long time, but but I remember sitting at that table, and you guys uh, encouraging us and ministering to us in that place and prophesying over us and and uh, very truthfully Ray you have been my hero my whole life just watched your hunger for God watched how you lived your life and I just am so honored to have you here a little bit nervous to have him here too but but uh, <laughs> um, if you haven't had a chance to, to meet Ray and Jody and Zoe uh, uh, do that because they are amazing people all, all three of them so glad to have them in the house all right um, all right. House of Encounter is what I want to talk about today. Um, uh, you guys might uh, remember a few um, a few weeks back, I was taking some time to seek God for some priorities for our church in this season. Uh, where you know we're in this process of planting Thrive Church, and uh, you know, quite frankly, if you would have asked any of us on our team if we thought we'd have it done by now, we would have like, yeah, we'd be done and moving on. We'd have this handled. We'd be you know, we'd be like all the way into this this church plant thing that we're doing, but uh, things are just, it's unfolding differently than we expected. Things are taking some time, and, and it's its actually a, a wonderful process, but, um, but in this process, I was just seeking God, like, what are our priorities for church? There's so many things we could focus on. There's so many things we could go after. What is it, God, that's in your heart? And he dropped this, this phrase into my spirit. House, you are a house of encounter. We're to be a house of encounter. And and this was a real defining moment for me. It's not that we hadn't had that kind of language before, but um, it, it really was it was a realignment, uh, a, a recalibration. My team will like that word, um, but uh, it's a recalibration to who we are, to our DNA, to our purpose for existing as a church. Why are we here? What are we here to do? What is our mission? What's our call? And, and uh, this concept of being a house of encounters, what the Lord spoke to me, we're to be a house of encounter. My belief is this, that it is impossible for you to come to our services and not encounter God. It's impossible. So if that hasn't happened yet, get ready because it's coming. <laughs> um, I believe that that is what God is in God's heart, that it's in, it would be impossible for you to come to our services and not encounter God. There's a common philosophy, philosophy of ministry that I've heard uh, over many, many years um, related to how a church structures its service. And, and, and the basic idea is this, that, that it's a really good idea to have a, like a, have a plan, like schedule your service out. Like there's going to be this much worship and this much time for this and that and, and the, the, this much time for the message. It's a really good idea to have a plan, 
a service schedule, but, but it's important to be ready to adjust if the Holy Spirit shows up. Right? Anybody ever heard anything like that? Um, I've heard that for a long time, but I want to tell you my philosophy of ministry here at Thrive. This is what our philosophy of ministry is, is that the Holy Spirit showing up is the only reason for us to show up at all. If he's not going to show up, then I'd rather sleep in. If he's not going to be here, then it's uh, then I don't I don't want to be here at all because uh, I'm kind of like Moses when he told God, if if you're not coming with me, I'm not going. And that's my heart. If if, if we're not going to encounter God here, then um, I, I'd rather do something else. I'm I want to be all about encountering Him. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in one of our services, I tell you what, it's in my heart. Our team wants to, we want to get together and we want to find out what happened. Why did it happen and how can we fix it right now? Because having him show up and do what only he can do is the only reason for us to be doing what we're doing. That's what's in my heart. Did that come across kind of harsh? I'm sorry, I'm really happy about that actually. <laughs> I don't want people to come to our services and leave thinking the worship team is at that church is just so amazing. I don't want them to have that experience. That's, I mean, I want them to have that experience, but that's not what we're ultimately after. I don't want them leaving thinking, wow, they do kids' ministries really, really well. I mean, I do. I want them to think that. I'm super proud of Nikki and what she's doing with her team. She's doing a great job, and the kids' ministries here are really important. But that's not what I want people leaving with that. The first thing in their mind, like this is what I think about this church. I don't want people to, cut to, to, to leave our services thinking, boy, that pastor is really great. I love his messages. Obviously, I want you to think that. <laughs> They're all good things. <laughs> I enjoy the worship. I'm proud of our team back in the kids' church. I work at doing my message as well. I mean, I want them to be good. But ultimately, that's not the priority. Are you hearing my heart? It's my aim that when people come to our services, whether they're visitors or long-term members, that they come away thinking, God was there and my life was changed because of it. That's what I want. That's what I'm after. I want people to, to go away from here having been, uh, having been changed by an encounter with God. I, I believe that, that our greatest need, all of us, that we sing a song that, that said this this morning, um, our greatest need at the core of every other need that we have is our need for Jesus, our need to encounter him. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's really normal for people to point to the big things in our lives. It's super normal for us to go, you know, 15 years ago, I had this encounter with God. It was amazing. It's very normal for us to do that, but that's not actually the life of encounter that I'm going to be talking about this morning. Um, I've had numerous big encounters with God throughout my lifetime. I've had moments, a couple, where I've heard his voice almost audibly. Like sometimes God downloads an idea into my spirit, but these two times in particular, I heard words. And it wasn't with my ears, but it was with my spirit. I heard words that were English. He spoke my language. It was awesome. So I'm really glad he didn't speak Hebrew because I had no idea what he was talking about. I've experienced physical healing in my body. 
the touch of his presence on me and I, I was healed. And I've experienced numerous people getting healed through my prayers. It's fun at, at dinner with Ray and Jody, I was kind of recounting some stories that kind of stirred, stirred up some of the testimony of God working in my life. And I love those times. Uh, there've been moments when I was undone in the, pre- in the presence of God, aware that he's there, he's the king. I'm, I can't believe he, he loves me so much to be here with me. And just being undone, really a pile of snot on the, on the carpet. So many times like that. There have been times when I've been touched by holy laughter. How many have experienced that before? I mean, I've been in services where gold dust was filling the room uh, like a cloud. And I've seen feathers fall out of nowhere in, in the presence of God. Uh, I've been in places that I remember one particular time when I was in the presence of God, we were, uh, as, a, as a body, we were pressing in worship and I literally thought that the heavens were going to open up and we were going to see something because the glory of God was so tangible. Love that. I love all of these experiences and I hope to experience more. More of these same kinds of experiences and, and some new things that I've never even had the opportunity to experience yet. But if we're to be a house of encounter, it's not just about those, quote, bigger encounters with God. And those are great. I'm not not knocking them. I want all of that and more. But what we really need is we need a lifestyle of encounter in order to become a house of encounter. Um, What does that mean? What does a lifestyle of encounter look like? The first thing that I want to talk about, the first thing that it means is that we need to renew our minds about encountering God. We need some new mindsets. Uh, what What are some of the mindsets and thoughts that we need to get rid of and what are some mindsets that we need to embrace? Let me, let me talk about a few of those right now. Um, some old mindsets. These are, <clears throat> these are some lies that we believe that affect what we experience about encountering God. How many understand that what we believe affects our encounter? If we don't believe God heals, it's really unlikely that you're going to experience him healing the sick around you. What we believe affects what we see. Here's a, here's a mindset I want to I wanna go after just for a second here, a lie. Um, here it is. God encounters are few and far between. A person should only expect to encounter God once or twice in a lifetime. That's a lie. Ha <laughs> The truth that we want to believe is this. We can encounter God daily, uh, multiple times per day. In fact, I think there's no limit. It's like, there's no like, you know, you've had your one today. Sorry, I'll have to wait till tomorrow. <clears throat> we can encounter God daily, multiple times, all throughout our day. That's the truth. Here's a second lie. I'm not high enough on the spiritual ladder to have God encounters. You know, those are for prophets, those those people that have visions and and visitations with angels. And I mean, I don't I don't really qualify to have a God encounter. That's a lie. The truth is that every person can encounter God, can encounter God, not God. No encountering God here. 
Every person can encounter God. And, and literally, you and I, each individually, every person on the planet was created in such a way that that is how we're built. We're, we're, we're formed in a way that we were made to encounter him. Did you know that? We're built with spirit, soul, and body so that we can hear and we can see. I mean, we can, we can, we can know things that we can only know through the spirit. He wired us to do that. He put us together because he wanted us to be people that encountered him all the time. Third lie that I want to hit. Uh, there's nothing I can do to have an encounter with God. If it's God's will for me to have an encounter with him, he'll arrange for it. <laughs> the truth is I can encounter God anytime I want to. Do you believe that? I could hear almost the audible in the room, like, are you sure? Anytime? Really? We can encounter God anytime we want to. The Holy Spirit lives in me to be my teacher, and I can experience the manifest presence of God anytime by increasing my awareness of Him. That's all I have to do. It doesn't, doesn't take... Crossing myself and doing three Hail Marys. <laughs> Thank God. I've never done one of those. Uh, it, it doesn't take uh, uh, prescribed steps of like, this is what you have to do to encounter God. All it takes is shifting our awareness to the fact that he's already here. He's actually not just here. He's here. He's like right here. I can encounter him any moment just by shifting my thoughts and my awareness to him. So what does a lifestyle of encounter look like? How does that go? It looks like this. It looks like partnering with God in every part of your life. Encountering God at church is great. We definitely want that to happen here. Absolutely. But we can encounter God wherever we are and whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Uh, it's wonderful to feel his presence when we gather together. Absolutely. But most of us need to feel his presence on Monday when we're facing stuff that we don't face when we're in this room. And we've got decisions to make and we've got uh, problems to solve and we've got, we've got life coming at us 60 miles per hour. That's when we need an encounter with God. Maybe we need a supernatural wisdom about what employee to hire, what business deals to take or not take, what purchases to make or not make. How many know God cares about these things? Uh, maybe we need a supernatural grace and empowerment to shift the atmosphere of our home and raising our kids. Maybe we need favor with our boss or with the banker. Maybe we're facing challenges in our, uh, in our home and we need God's direction about how to handle it. God wants to encounter you in those moments. The moments where you're anxious. The moments where you're freaking out about, I don't know what to do. When you're unsure of yourself. When you're, when you're feeling like uh, things are crashing in. He wants to encounter you right there. So why wait? It's like, I really need you, God, on, on Tuesday, but I guess I can wait till Sunday to, to hear you. No, he wants to invite you to press into encounter right in those moments. And sometimes you don't have, 
you know, like 10 minutes to step away from your situation. Like, okay, um, you, you guys are just going to have to hold on here. I know we have a, a problem, but I'm going to go like turn on some worship music, lay on the floor and, and soak in God's presence for a while to get an answer. Sometimes it's just under your breath. God, I need you right now. I need you to help me shift this atmosphere. I need you to move in my heart. I need you to give me an, uh, an idea or, or, or show me what to say in this circumstance, whatever it might be. And guess what? It's not only about our needs, but what about the mission to be an encounter to the world around us? Maybe we need supernatural healing power to flow through us to minister to a friend or a coworker who just got a difficult diagnosis. Maybe we have a neighbor who's contemplating divorce and we need a word from God for him or her to minister life into their circumstance. Maybe we need strategic heavenly solutions to give our bosses so the business will succeed. That's a really good idea. The reality is that living a lifestyle of encounter will affect every aspect of our lives, not just a part of our lives that we see as spiritual. What what if we were to intentionally partner with God in the normal everyday aspects of our lives? I don't know about you. Uh, I'm kind of like this. I'm really working to to, to stop being like this. But but it's very normal for me to do as much as I can on my own. Like I'll just, you know, I can do this and I'll handle it. And I don't get to the place where I actually ask for God's help or to partner with him until I'm in a place where I'm like, ah, now I need you, God. (laughs) But, But we can actually partner with him in the normal everyday parts of our lives. And he wants to do that. What happens is we make Jesus the center And we invite him to come and to bring his world, his power, his grace, and his wisdom into everything that we do. What would it look like, really, if every aspect of our lives, the normal stuff, cooking dinner, I mean, what would it look like if, uh, we'd probably make some really good food, I don't know. Um, But what would it look like if our lives were invaded by a supernatural grace or power or or presence in those aspects of our lives? Because you know what? For God, his natural realm is supernatural. He's not like, okay, it's time to stir up the supernatural now. He doesn't have to do that. He just comes in and he's who he is. And it's supernatural. It's supernatural to us, but for him, it's his natural realm. So if we live our lives in connection with him and we're inviting him into every area, we're asking him to partner with us in every part, he's going to come in and when he does, he brings that natural realm with him. And this is how we create a house of encounter. It's by living a lifestyle of encounter. This is how I can believe that it's impossible for people to come into our environment and not have a life-changing encounter with God. Because this is his heart for us as people. And my goal is that when people interact with me or any, any Thrive people, I believe that they should encounter God. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he, and he, and he said to them, if you've seen me... You've seen the Father. 
And we can look at that idea and we can think, well, that's God because he, you know, he, Jesus was the son of God. You know, if you look at Jesus, then you've seen the father. But I believe that Jesus, everything he did was a model for us and how to do life here now. He, he wasn't saying this was for me, but none of you get to have that. Because if everything that Jesus did uh, while he was here on the earth, the, all the miracles that he did and all the things that he accomplished in his life while he was, while he was here in those 33 years, if all of that was a accomplished by him being the son of God, then I'm impressed, but I'm not called into a lifestyle of pursuing that. But if what he did, if what he went after in his life actually was a model for us to see what it looks like for a man who's filled with the Holy Spirit to go after God, to do this with the Holy Spirit on his life, then I am responsible to pursue that lifestyle because that's what he came to show us how to do. Oh, that's not in my notes, but it's good. Psalm 27, verse 4, says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is David crying out. This is David's heart that we see here in, in, in this verse. One thing I ask, the one thing he's focused on, one thing I'm seeking, God, I'm only after one thing. This is it, my one thing. I want to dwell in your house. I want to gaze on your face. I want to be with you and, and experience the beauty of who you are over and over and over. And I don't know if you know this, but this was David experiencing a New Testament grace before the New Testament was ever around. David, I, I don't know if you get this, but David uh, took the Ark of the Covenant, which was the manifest presence on the earth at that time. He took it out from behind the veil in the temple, out from behind the curtain in the tent of meeting is actually where it was at the time. But he took it out from behind the veil and he brought it into the middle of the tabernacle that he built not veiled, not behind some, some curtain that kept it from the people. He brought it and he put it right in the middle and they did 24-7 worship around the Ark of the Covenant in his day. That's a New Testament grace. Because I don't know if you get this, but in, the, in, in Jesus' day, when Jesus died at the cross, the veil was torn in the temple and it opened the way for the Ark of the Covenant to be accessible to all men all the time. Are you getting that? Amos uh, chapter 9 verse 11 speaks of the, 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 he's talking about David's tabernacle. He says, in that day I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. What, is, what was God's heart that he wanted to restore this tabernacle of David? He wanted us to have that access that David created. That encounter where we can have it anytime, all the time. He didn't want to be veiled behind something that kept, uh, kept it from the, the normal people. Only the priest could go in. In, in. in Acts chapter 15, we see that this prophecy of Amos has been fulfilled. This is Acts chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. It says, The words of the prophets 
are in agreement with this, as it is written, he quotes Amos here, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That's the end of the quote. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. In John chapter 4, this is starting at verse 20, it's, it's in this encounter that Jesus is having with the woman at the well. Um, and of course he comes and he, uh, he asks her for water. Kind of probably know the story. You don't need to get the whole thing uh, rolled out here. But uh, he gives, she gives him some water and, uh, and then he begins to tell her about her life. Words of knowledge that he's speaking to her, talking to her about her current situation with her husband, etc. And she says to him really wisely, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, at one point, she says this, verse 20. She says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus replies to her, and he says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worships, worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. I, I want to suggest to you this morning that what Jesus was, was doing is he was specifically addressing her idea of where. Where do we worship? You Jews say we, and our people, we worship on this mountain. There's probably it was a temple to some foreign god on this mountain. I don't know. But we worship on this mountain. But you Jews say you have to come to the temple to worship. And Jesus says, there's a time coming when you won't have to go to the temple. It's not going to be on this mountain, and it's not going to be any other place like that. It's going to be a different kind of place, and where it is, it's in the Spirit. Really good news about that is we can access that place anywhere we are. <laughs> It'll have to be inside the church building in, in the rows of chairs. I almost said pews. I haven't had those in a while. <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to be uh, in our prayer closet even. We can do it anywhere, anytime. We can access it in the spirit, that place of worshiping the Father. And it says this is the kind of worshiper the Father's after. The ones who press in and want to worship him all the time, anywhere, <laughs> in the spirit. I'm like, they're stirred up. I want to know God more. I want to experience him more. You can do it right there. I believe, I believe that when we are a people who live a lifestyle of encounter, then we become a people who bring an encounter to the world. We want to encounter God and then become an encounter to the world around us. A, a few months ago, I was spending time in prayer 
and I had an encounter with the Lord where I, I saw I saw some visions, really like uh, snapshots or pictures of things for our church. I mean, literally, it was that's exactly what it was like. Uh, I, I saw like little. I didn't see like video. It was like a picture, like a snapshot, and little things began to be impressed on my spirit. Lots of things that I'm not going to mention. But one of the things that happened during that time of encountering the Lord was I saw, or I had this, it was an idea, I I don't know, it just kind of came into my my spirit like an idea. I had this thought of releasing a season of encounter for our church. This was was several months ago. Like, I I think it's coming. I think that would be awesome, God. A season of encounter. And through some prophetic words, that I've received and some recent encounters with God, I'm convinced that this season of encounter is for right now. And so um, I'm, I'm kind of here kind of prophetically releasing that season over our church this morning. Um, let me talk about this for just a moment. I've been talking a lot about a lifestyle of encounter and now I'm talking about a season of encounter. Where How do those work together or not? Let me be really quick here, but um, I want to talk about that. Second Corinthians 3, verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I believe this. Everything is already in place for us to live a lifestyle of encounter. He's done it. Jesus has done everything that's necessary. It's all done. You know, those words, it is finished, they were pretty final, right? It's what he did. Everything is done. It's ready for us to step into that lifestyle. There's no missing element, and we are each invited into that reality now. That's lifestyle of encounter that I'm talking about. We can do that all the time. I've been talking about that for a while. So how can I declare um, that there is a season of encounter upon us? It's a great question. I'm really glad you asked. Ultimately, I believe that every season is a season of encounter. So I could definitely just declare this is a season of encounter because it always is a season of encounter. That works. And what the Lord showed me uh, in my time of prayer several months ago was that we could press into encounter for a specific season in order to align our hearts with what he's birthing in us as a church right now in this season. So he's, I mean, this is the the present realities. We can have a lifestyle of encounter, but he's also very well, well aware of our present reality. He knows what we're going through as a church and and, and you as an individual, where you're at in your life. So uh, we can partner with him and he's partnering, wants to partner with us in in helping us do what he's calling us to do in this season too. So that's where I can can really honestly say that it, it looks like this is actually a season that God ordained for us, that he's separated for us to step into encounter. So that's... That's what I'm doing. I believe that there are, there are things beginning to happen in our plans for replanting that make it necessary to increase the level of encounter that we, as a church, are operating in. Is that okay? Are you all good with that? That's what I believe. So I'm making this declaration over us this morning. We are now entering into a season of encounter.
And I believe this is a now word for us as a church. Today is your day of visitation. Don't wait till tomorrow. It's available tomorrow too. It's not going away. But why not press in now? Press in to encounter the Lord and you're going to see some great things take place and begin to take shape in your life and in our church. We are in a season of radical encounters with God. Is that okay? Can you declare that with me? Say that with me. Say, we are in a season of radical encounters with God. Uh, Yeah. Kind of sounds good. I think you should say it again. (laughs) We are in a season of radical encounters with God. How about this? I encounter God regularly. (laughs) I like to make declarations. How about this one? God can't wait for the encounters he's prepared for me to have in this season. (laughs) Amen. I don't know if you see that picture, but I mean, if you just get the idea of what that looks like, God can't wait. I mean, he's like a little kid excited for for what's about to happen in your life as you press into encounter. have the picture uh, of, of an Easter egg hunt. We just had Easter last week. And um, God doesn't hide things from us. We've, uh, we've heard that many times. We've said that here many times. He doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. Uh, and, and the picture of this Easter egg hunt, uh, we, as parents, we don't hide the eggs from our kids hoping they'll never find them. <laughs> you think you're going to find eggs this year? Uh-uh. When we, we got serious about this hiding thing, <laughs> you'll be lucky if you find even one. Ha, take that. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine as parents doing that to our kids? It's like, that's totally ridiculous. We would never do that. The whole point in hiding Easter eggs is so they find them. It's the whole point. <laughs> We don't take delight in the fact that we're better than them at hiding than they are at finding. (laughs) You thought you were going to find something, but no. I mean, come on, right? We we find delight when they find them. I mean, we, we, you know, uh, for the little ones that are like, they're just getting started in this idea. What do we do? We actually put the eggs right in the grass where they couldn't miss them. They'll probably trip on them and break them on their way to finding them because it so delights us for them to find what we've hidden for them. It's the same way with our father. He wants us to find what we're looking for. He wants us to find breakthrough in our lives. He wants us to walk in a lifestyle where we are encountering him day after day. Sometimes we have to find. And you know what? Like there are some times when we are hiding Easter eggs, when we put things like a little bit out of their reach or somewhere they might not think of it. We still hope they find it. We expect them to. But we make it a little harder, not because we're trying to make it difficult for them, but because we like to see what happens in them as they, they're like, they start to get creative and think about where is this? There's some left, where are they? Where could mom and dad have hidden them this time? Where are they at? They start to look places they never thought of looking. They start to uncover things they never would have uncovered because they're looking for something that they know they're meant to find. If we pursued God that way, 
it would change us. Sometimes we wait. We're like, I'm not going to pursue God much right now. If he wants to find me, he knows where I'm at. (laughs) Come on. Right? He delights in that process of us searching. In our house, we have for many, many years, we've done the silver egg and the golden egg, which is like the silver egg we put, we usually put like a dollar, maybe in quarters or a little $1 bill or something, or it's changed over the years. So don't, you don't have to coach me through this. I get it. So, all right. (laughs) He's like, it's $2, dad. And maybe in the gold egg, we put $5 cash, or I don't know, we may have done some different numbers at some times. Okay, so that's kind of the idea, right? But we actually take special care in hiding those. Like, we put them in a special place. We really work hard at finding some. Like, these are the big deal eggs, right? We, we don't want them just to, like, walk out there and find them in the middle of the grass. You know, we want them to work for this because that's fun, right? We don't find that kind of thing in our, in our walk with God very fun. I want my answers and I want them now. I want my I want my solutions and I want them right now. But God's like, I'm inviting us. No, there's a search that's going to be awesome. It's going to change your life. It's going to be fun. Come look. Come look. So we hide those those eggs more strategically. And oftentimes when all of the, quote, normal eggs have been found, the silver and the gold eggs are still safely hidden, and we start to give our kids clues. Maybe we give them a riddle, <laughs> right? Some riddle that is, like, really stupid that we made up on the, on the spot. Like, I can't even think of one, but... Or maybe, maybe we, like, use the, 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 the tried and true, you're getting warmer now you're getting warmer you're getting hot 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 you know whatever it is can you can you just picture god doing that for you in your life as you're pursuing him as you're pursuing encounter with him as you're pursuing relationship with him could you just picture him just delighting oh you're almost here you're almost here you're almost here i just love the idea of our father so wanting us to find but we oftentimes give up long time before that probably never find that golden egg might as well go inside god doesn't really want me to find it anyway right somebody else found it might as well give up no he delights in that process how we get to the hiding spot. There's a the song that we do here sometimes, and I'm going to read you just some of the lyrics, and then I'm going to wrap this up really quickly here. But it says, When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, every heart starts burning and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. Second verse says, when you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all you do. I don't know about you, but typically when I think of those words and imagine like what's happening, I see that happening 
like in a corporate worship setting. Like we're worshiping God and going after him and Jesus walks in the room. And when he walks in the room, everything changes. Sickness starts to vanish. The dead begin to rise. Things begin to shift when he walks in the room. And I, I, I think that's a great picture. But what if we were to picture God altogether differently than that for just a moment? What if, I'd like you to do this while I'm suggesting it, if you, if you would. Picture yourself in your normal world. Like where you are Monday through Saturday. Maybe you're sitting at your desk. Maybe you're at home with your family. But you're doing your normal routine. You can picture yourself there and you're just, and life begins to hit you in the face. Like where uh, just normal things that happen begin to happen. What if you pictured that place and all of a sudden you saw Jesus walk into the room? When you walk into that room, everything changes. When you walk into that room, sickness vanishes. When you walk into that room, the dead begin to rise. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that you are releasing over us a season of encounter. I don't know all that that's going to look like, but God, I know it's going to be adventurous. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be it, it, it's going to be dreams and pictures and wisdom. It's going to be uh, times of overwhelming presence in our lives. We're going to encounter new things and maybe some things we've encountered before. But God, I know you're going to do stuff because you always are. And Lord, as we focus on you, as we press in, as we see you and we press into what you're doing and what you want to do in our lives and in our church, God, I know that you're going to encounter us. And Father, I thank you that you've released a word over us this year about family momentum. And Lord, I just, I just declare and release breakthrough and momentum in the lives of families. Lord, there are families that have specific issues that you're dealing with, problems that you're, that you're putting before the Lord. He's saying, I can change that. I can do that. I can, I can work on that. So as we, as we continue to pursue him, he's, he's releasing momentum. He's releasing change and shifting environments in our families. Thank you for that, God. Thank you, Father. Oh, we love you. <laughs> we love you, God, and we're after you. Lord, stir in us that heart, like David, to make a place for you in our lives that we can go and be with you all the time. Thank you, Father. <laughs>